0: Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 And and it's been a couple months since we got to Hebrews chapter 2 So some of you may have even forgot it So we'll, we'll get back to it But Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard Lest at any time we should let them slip For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at first began to be spoken of the Lord and then was confirmed unto us by him that heard him. God also bearing them witness both in signs and wonders and divers miracles and the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. And you can be seated in Jesus name. Lest at any time... We should let them slip. If you read that as we would have in the English Standard Version, it says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. Back in January of last year, January the 26th to be exact, something happened. A a Panamanian cargo ship by uh, the name of... Uh, well, I forgot the name. I don't have it here. I thought I wrote it down. Anyway, it's a Panamanian cargo ship that uh, somehow it lost power. It began to list very badly. And so as it uh, lost power and began to drift, then uh, the, the, the crew abandoned ship. It was, it was located on January the 26th, some 500 miles west in the Atlantic west of the uh, the coast of France on February 1st this abandoned ship had drifted some 500 miles simply at the push and the beck and the call of the wind and of the currents and and, and so finally there on February 1st of last year the Dutch salvage company it's called Smith Salvage it specializes in things like this and I was watching some of the news clips. Here's one of them. They would let down the salvage crew on this and they would have to walk up a 40 to 50 uh, degree slope as they would try to, to hook um, tow cables to it. And finally, after several tries, they were able, this, this salvage ship, was able to turn the nose of that ship around and tow it uh, back to a, a port. It was that loss of power That loss of control that had left the ship in the hands of the current. It was powerless to do anything on its own. And so it simply drifted. And it would have drifted right into the coast of France. It would have finally gotten to a point where it would have run aground and the biggest uh, uh, fear would that it would have ruptured its fuel tanks and oil tanks and a, a, a environmental damage would have happened all because of the drift. Look at your neighbor and say the drift. Now, I've, I've told you this story before, but it's been quite a while and it, it needs to get revisited. I had a boat. I got rid of it last year because the motor blew up and I finally just gave the boat and everything to to, uh, one of the evangelists that came through. But it was a good little boat. I I named it, in case you didn't know, I named it Pastoral Visitation. That way, if anyone ever needed me, I could say I'm out on Pastoral Visitation. It's the same reason I've named my bed the Word. If you call me on Saturday morning, I might tell you I'm in the Word, covered by the comforter. Y'all got that one, huh? Some of you are going to do that now. One of my last voyages on said pastoral visitation happened with you, brother Andy Smith. And uh, it was an old boat. It was brother brother uh, uh, Hickey helped me get it. We found it. It had been sitting for probably twenty years or so. And we brought it back to to the house and and opened up the carburetors and cleaned them all out and got it running. And we had fun. We'd go out on the Mississippi and and I caught catfish out of it, Brother Perryman's been on it, but it, it was a 1968 Mercury Thunderbolt motor, 11 years older than I was, and uh, every once in a while it decided it didn't want to work, which on the Mississippi River can be kind of interesting, and uh, I've had a few moments where you just kind of go with the flow as you try to figure out why it won't start, and I remember we were out there with, with uh, Brother Andy Smith, with Zach Graves, and and, and we were fishing, and it was an interesting trip to say the least. We'd caught a few little fish, nothing to write home about it. But we decided to go across from, from there, the, kind of where the Grafton Ferry is. We were going to go over to Grafton and, and park the boat up on a dock and go eat at one of the little fish houses, restaurants there. And we got kind of towards the shore, and my motor stopped. And uh, when you don't have a motor on a, on a boat, you can't really do anything about it. And especially when you're on the Mississippi River that happens to be flowing, all I could do was just kind of look as I drifted down. And I realized I had no desire to end up in New Orleans, so I did the only thing I knew to do, pick up my anchor, throw it out, so at least I'd stop, and then we'd figure out what we could do. And finally, after a while, some, uh, some, some scientists that were doing a study came in their boat and they pulled me back to, to my trailer and uh, I don't know if I ever went back out on it after that. I'm not for sure. It sat for quite some time. But we were drifting. That word drifting has been on my mind lately. And and so, let me tell you another story about drifting. In the Second World War, there was a, a battleship that was off of the, the, the coast of Spain, and as World War II happened, they you know you're you're constantly ferrying people across, and you had your navy, but most of your ships also had a contingent of, of infantry or or others that were not in the Navy. And while this ship was anchored there, the, the sailors, the experienced people, the navy men, if you will, they were gonna go down for a meal and they asked the army, the infantry, they asked them, Would you stand and watch? Of course, the other soldiers who were there for the ride, said, we will. But they were untrained in this. They were not soldiers. They were used to hoofing it on the ground. They were used to marching. They were not used to being on a ship. And they were unaware that the anchor of that ship was slipping on the, the, the floor of the sea. And that ship was gradually, it wasn't, you could hardly tell, but slowly but surely, that ship was drifting towards shallow Water. If you've ever been on a boat, you will know that it's important to find landmarks that you can look at, find things you can see to know if you're drifting. You can know if you've moved, if your anchor has slipped. And they didn't know that and they were not taught what to watch for but after an hour that ship had left its mooring place and it had drifted into a line of rocks. A minute later, a wave had lifted the ship onto the rocks. It ripped a hole in the bow of that ship. The alarm sounded. The ship was evacuated. Equipment was colliding together as it heaved. It caught fire and the entire ship burned simply because someone didn't pay attention to the drift. The drift. I want to preach to you, it's been on my heart for, for a little bit I want, to, pay, I want to, to preach to you the danger of the drift The danger of the drift And uh, I preached, it was back I think in 2014 In fact, Sister uh, Stacy, I think you made mention of it uh, I, I preached a message on the anchor holds and, and, and there's a lot in the word of God that you can pull from About being steadfast, about holding on And there's songs that we could sing In fact, I'm told that there in Niagara Falls, if you go up the river from the falls, as you begin to come down and get closer to the falls, there are signs that say, do, you know, waterfall ahead, do you have an anchor? And then a little bit farther, they tell me that if you go, it says, do you know how to use your anchor? And then there's a final sign that says, too late, your anchor ain't going to help you. Because if you're not careful, the drift will take you places you never intended to to go and while I could preach about the anchor again and I could preach to you about the importance of a firm foundation or a steadfastness, I would like to take it a little bit differently and I want to preach to you not necessarily that we need to be still, but I want to talk to you about the danger of the drift. That drift tends to happen slowly. If you're like me, every once in a while you get caught up in YouTube and YouTube and you, you kind of just watch, there are, you can go watch compilations of ships that crash. Did you know that there is a, uh, and this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but sort of kind of. Did you know that there is a certain uh, railroad crossing, I think it's in Pennsylvania, that happens to be a very short railroad crossing. And they have signs everywhere that says, this is too short, trucks will not f- go under it finally somebody put up a webcam to catch how many people hit that thing and some uh, in the past like three or four years over a hundred trucks have hit that poor bridge and ripped all the top of their truck off because no one tends to pay attention to signs well you can see video after video of ships that lose their power and they drift You would think that the ocean's a pretty big place. And if a ship begins to drift, it's not going to hit another ship. But the problem is, there's limited shipping lanes in the ocean. And so, the majority of your ships are are traversing kind of the same place. And when they drift, there's nothing you can do. And you can see them as they hit. It catches you off guard. It's slowly. It doesn't happen. It's not a runaway freight train, if you will. It's just a drift. That drift, the danger of that drift in, the, in, in that first news reel you saw, the danger of the drift was this, it was the danger to others. That ship was going to drift right into uh, the, the, the coast of France and there it would be that as that ship would drift, it would have broken open and oil would have spilled and who knows what loss of marine life would have happened i preach preached to you time and time again about people like Jonah and how some of the, 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 the dangerous of someone who's walking away from God, someone that's drifting away from God, is the danger to others. Now, I'm glad that, that they threw Jonah overboard, but to be honest, that ship that Jonah was on was going to sink. And if Jonah would not have gone overboard, I just wonder how many lives would have been lost because of Jonah's drifting. Or I could take you to David. And I could tell you of a drift of David that when David should have been out with the king or should have been out at war with the other kings he stayed at home and he slowly began to drift and then Bathsheba, he caught, caught the eye of him and, and an affair happened and a baby was born and to keep going, the danger of the drift was it took the life of that little child that was born. The danger of the drift is what happens to others. But one of the things that really begins to uh, uh, grab hold of me is the drifting. And I, I'm, I'm, I hope I can get this across. The danger of the drift is you move away from the source. And I, I'm going to try to explain this. There are several different ways that you can drift, if you will. You can, you can drift downstream. There could be no, no wind. There can be nothing but, but the, the motor conks out and you just drift. You're with the current, if you will. You're going along with the flow. And I tell you that one thing about a drift is you never drift closer to the source of the power. I've never seen anybody drift upstream. But that's where the source of the water flows, that's where the source of the power is, no one drifts closer, or I could tell you that you drift because of the wind, the wind catches you and just begins to push you, it's almost as if you have a sail and it just kind of pushes you and you never get closer to the source of the wind, instead the wind pushes you farther and farther away. I'm going to get somewhere in a moment, but let me stay in this kind of negative part of it. That drifting never brings you closer to God. I've never seen anybody say, you know what, I'm living for God, but I'm going to kind of take it easy and I'm going to lose the drive, if you will, and I'm going to just kind of go with the flow. I've never in my life of 37 years, I've never seen anybody get closer to God while drifting. Instead, I hear it and I've seen it. I've talked to people. I've, I've had them weep and cry on my shoulder. I've had them tell me if I'd have just knew how far I was getting away from God, I'd have tried to stop earlier. And you've, I mean, again, cliche, I know, but they say you don't backslide overnight. No one just gets up one day that's living for God and says, I'm done, let's go. But it's that slow drift. I forget who it is. They sing it on Joy FM every once in a while. But uh, they talk about the slow fade. Slow fade. I know we got done with that study on the book of Hebrews, but would you give me a moment to get you back into that? And I want you to look at three things that happen when when you begin to drift. Number one, we read it in our text and it's Hebrews chapter 2 that therefore we ought to give them the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip or as the other version said lest we should drift away. One of the things that I find that happens so, so just, it just takes a little drifting is you begin to drift away from the word of God. Long before someone, and I've I've, I've had friends of mine that have denounced it. I've had friends of mine that have have completely said, you know, the word of God is not true. And they have made a huge uh, uh, appeal to make everybody know that they are no longer believing the word of God. But it didn't happen overnight. It was a slow drift here. As the word of God got smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror. It's that drifting from the Word that's so dangerous. As you drift from the Word, when, when the Word of God no longer grabs hold of you, when the Word of God no longer uh, uh, arrests your attention, when you start arguing with the Word of God and say, well, does the Word of God really say this? And you begin to waffle and, and you begin to uh, try to debate the Word of God. All of a sudden, as you drift, you begin to doubt the Word of God. I could take you to Hebrews chapter 4. That says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word of God can be preached all day long, and I know it's the word of God that saves. We have Bible for that. But if there's not a faith in the word of God, it does nothing for your life. But when you begin to drift from the word, then you begin to doubt the word. And then Hebrews chapter 5 takes us to the third uh, uh, of that. It says, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and it's hard to be uttered, but seeing that you are dull of hearing. And so it is that as you drift from the word of God, you become doubting of the word of God. And pretty soon, you become dull to the Word of God. I I have this, and and I know it's my own mental image, but it's that glassy-eyed, slack jaw. Nothing moves you. Nothing matters. The Word of God doesn't happen. And you ask the question, why the drift? I like to tell you that it's very simple. Drifting comes when you lose your power. Drifting comes when you lose your power. I was out fishing with Bart Lloyd, and uh, his his brother is a professional or has been in life a professional bass fisherman, and we got to go on his boat. He gets those boats, you know, sponsors and all of that. And we were out on Kentucky Lake uh, two years ago, and we were out on a bass boat that that probably, if any of us went to go buy that bass boat, it was seventy thousand dollars. It was the brand newest, it was the biggest bass boat with the biggest engine and it had everything you could need and it was less than six months old. And we got out there on Kentucky Lake and it stopped working. I said, well, I could have done that in my $500 boat that's behind the church. It stops working too. Wow, our boats have something in common. And we were stuck. Nothing we could do. All because, now we had lights we could have listened to the radio, we could have fished, at least in that little area we were at. We could have, uh, uh, you know, charged our cell phones, but the motor wouldn't work. And when you lose your power, when you lose your propulsion, when you lose your forward motion, you begin to drift. Now you can, we, we did, I mean we were smart. We had power poles and anchors and we put the anchor out, And but that doesn't help. I'm stuck in the middle of the lake. I only have one sandwich. When that runs out, I start thinking of who I can eat and what kind of meat tastes good on the arm or the leg of somebody beside me. You can't survive just simply being still. The Word of God, I'm amazed, and we're going to get there. The Word of God, I'm amazed at how much it talks about moving forward and a forward progression. And and it's a, it, it's a you know, it, you're, you're living, it's, it's a... Uh, Uh, you, You start as a babe in Christ But you end as a mature saint It's the journey of going with them But what happens when you lose your power You begin to drift It doesn't matter how you want to look at that power It could be that your engine stops It could be that the sail was ripped or torn Or it could be that the oars were lost or broke The forward motion ceases And you drift Last year General Conference, there was a statement made, and I found it in my little notebooks that I keep. Brother Art Hodges preached one of the nights, and he made this statement, and and it's kind of the, the crux of what I'm getting at. If you're content to drift, you don't need the wind. I want to tell you today that if you're content just to go with the flow, then you don't need His Spirit. But I'm convinced that I am in the middle of a church that is so hungry to move forward that you don't want to drift, that you don't want to just be at the mercies of the flesh and the world and Satan, but instead you crave the power, you crave the propulsion, you crave the wind of the Holy Spirit, which reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. In fact, if you have that, would you turn there with me? 2 Timothy chapter 1, most of you, as soon as I begin to quote it or read it, you'll probably catch on because you may not know exactly where it was, but you know that verse. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that was put, put in thee by the, or that which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. stir up the gift of God. I've always in my mind envisioned someone stirring a big old pot. But if you was to delve into the Hebrew, or Greek rather, uh, of, of that, that word stir up, and this made a lot of sense, the word stir up means to fan the flames and to rekindle. Have any of you ever been camping, or how many of you have a, a true wood fireplace, and you know, in the, in the afternoon or the evening, you start you a nice fire, and it feels good, and there's, it's going, and then you go to bed, and you wake up in the morning, and you're cold, and It's nothing there and so you get down and you you slice off a piece of pine kindling and you blow until you find a coal that's just orange enough and you lay some fine pieces of kindling over that orange coal and as you bend down you begin to blow and that coal begins to light up and pretty soon that little piece of kindling begins to light and more and more until you fan the flames and you start the fire again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I want to read this in that perspective. Don't stir up like you're stirring gumbo or chicken noodle soup. But read it this way. When you, when you get in your Bible and you read it, read it this. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you fan the flames and rekindle the gift of God. And All of a sudden I realize the danger of the drift is when there's nothing inside burning. I could take you back to some old steamships where the only way they got their propulsion was to put coal in the bunkers and begin to fire up that old boiler. And, and, And as long as the fires were burning, as long as the boiler was lit, there was steam power to travel across the ocean. But if it ever went out, they had no power. So I tell you today, don't let the fire in your life go out. Stir it up fan the flames. Whatever it takes to rekindle, the Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says quench not the spirit. Maybe I'm taking it out of context but in my mind, when I think of quench not the spirit, it means don't put the fire out. It means don't put anything on there that would cause it to lack and starve for lack of oxygen or starve because there's no fuel. Don't quench the spirit but instead let it fan those flames and let it rekindle. Bible says in Psalms, and let me read a bunch of these just kind of all together, and I want you to catch uh, uh, the similarities. Psalms chapter 51 and verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, uphold me with thy free spirit. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Psalms 25 says, Lead me in the truth and teach me. Psalms 27 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path. Psalms 31 says, Thou art my rock and my fortress, so for thy name's sake lead me and guide me. Psalms 43 says, Send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead me. Psalm 61 says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalms 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalms 143 says, lead me into the land of, unri- of uprightness. Lead me in the land of uprightness. And Psalms 119:105 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. And all of those verses have this in common besides the phrase, lead me. All of those verses have this in common. You're not drifting if you're being led. You're not drifting on your own. You're not under just some some random uh, 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 drift. But instead, you are following. You are being led. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I need his spirit to move inside of me. That that word in in, uh, in the Greek for, for Holy Spirit or for spirit rather is Numa. In the Hebrew it's ruach. And both of those means a breeze, a breath, a blast. You have that understanding. It's why uh, uh, in in the day of Pentecost it said it was like a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. I'm telling someone here today, in this day and age, you need the wind of God. You need the Spirit of God to be the one that propels you. But the moment you lose that power is the moment you're going to drift. Should I take you to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where it says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you? Or should I take you to the book of of Acts chapter 2 where it talks about that upper room experience and what God began to do in their life? I'm telling you today, you need that spirit. The drift is dangerous. And this year, I don't want to see And I prayed it in my own life, Lord, don't let me drift. You know, most of us, we would say in our life, I don't want to backslide, I don't want to go to hell, I I don't want to uh, turn my back on you, but most of us, we don't pray, Lord, don't let me drift. I know I'm mixing metaphors, I realize that, sometimes we're talking about fire, sometimes we're talking about wind, sometimes we're talking about a boat, sometimes we're talking about feet, but... There's a reason the Bible says that there's two ways. One is a broad way that leads to destruction. One's a narrow way that leads to life everlasting. The narrow way has less room to drift. The broad way kind of one way, another, and you go, Jeremiah that said it best is fire shut up in my bones. Or perhaps it was Peter and, 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 and John that said it's silver and gold, have I none? But what I do have is I've got the Spirit. I've got something propelling me, something leading me. Verses and, 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 and principles of I walk after the Spirit, I'm being led by the Spirit, I need the Spirit. However you tend to use that, the point is this, without His Spirit, I am drifting. Without the wind, my boat simply drifts. Without the fire, my boat drifts. Without the Spirit, I'm powerless at the mercy of the world, at the mercy of the flesh, at the mercy of of the devil nothing so I want you to think for a moment where are you when that ship lost power January what did I say 26th I believe when that ship lost power there 500 miles to the west of France think of how fast that ship traveled simply simply because it had no power. In your life, without His presence, you can wake up in just a few days and you're so far away from Him, you don't even know how to get back. It's kind of like the little sheep that was lost. That whole story of the lost things, the, the lost son, the lost sheep, the lost coin. All of them are interesting, and we've preached on it and probably any man or, or lady here that's had any type of preaching you've probably preached something about it the son was lost because he wanted to be lost he willingly left the sheep was lost because it didn't know any better it just kind of began to wander in the, and the, uh, the coin was lost in the house it never even left anywhere but it was lost and all of that can happen you can be lost because you're rebel you can be lost because you wander and you can be lost sitting on a pew the key is it's the drift I kind of think of that little lamb you know, and, and, and it just kind of saw a brighter patch of grass over here and it began to eat on that patch of grass. And then something else caught its eye and pretty soon it realized, I don't know where I'm at. I can't hear the shepherd's voice anymore. I, I don't see the rest of the flock. I've, I've, I've sort of separated myself and the little sheep begin to drift. But what I'm so thankful for is just as there was a salvager that came to grab that ship and tow it back to safety. There's a God that says, I will chase you to the ends of the world just to try to arrest the drift. Oh, it's not easy. It requires a mindset. It requires a repentance, which means that that you don't just say, I'm sorry, but it's a reversal, of course. The only way you can stop the drift is to turn away from the area you're drifting to. I know it's simple, but it's powerful. The only way you can stop drifting is first, turn around. You may not have any power yet. You may still be drifting, but at least you're focused on the right place now. Once you begin to turn around, you begin to let God lead you back to safety. Stir up the gift. I've I've had over... past couple of days, I just and when I say visions, I don't mean spiritual hocus pocus, I'm just talking about kind of just daydreams if you will but I see you and I and, and I see lives and, and I get that, that vision of a, of a steam engine's boiler and if you will, someone that's living for God and they're, and they're moving, it's that fire that, that coal is burning but then I see others and that fire is getting low Nobody's tending it. Nobody's putting more coal in it. Nobody is is making sure it's stoked. And then I see others, even in our own congregation, I see others who there's no fire. There's not even a glow in the ember anymore. And I hear Paul begin to say, stir up the gift. Fan those flames. If there's a littlest spark, if there's the littlest coal, begin to let the presence of God blow across that until something begins to burn once again, that fervency inside your heart that says, I can't miss a service. I can't miss a prayer meeting. I can't miss a word of God. I can't miss my time in prayer. Lord, stir up the gift. I don't want to drift. If you're here today and you don't even have a coal to fan, you need to let the Holy Ghost come inside of you and let the fire of His Spirit just incinerate again and you need to say Lord not stir up the gift but Lord would you light a fire back in me would you God would you fill me with your spirit once again would you bring me back the psalmist said restore unto me the joy of thy salvation some of you today you need to say Lord would you bring me right back to that place where I first received the gift of the Holy Ghost and would you let that fire once again be Kindled inside of me. I don't want to drift anymore. Because when you drift. You don't have control. And you don't know where that sharp rock. Is going to be. And where that place that you're going to founder And flounder is going to be. And you're, there's going to be a moment. Where your hull begins to break. And you begin to take on water. And if you're not careful in the drift. You'll sink. And Sometimes the danger of the drift is. You've gone so far that the salvage can't get to you that's why the book of Jude says some you save with fear as if the preacher as if the the, 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 reach right into the depths of hell to bring them out the danger of the drift is when you lose your power would you stand today all across this place now I know that there's a lot that you're thinking about I know there's a lot that you're kind of letting your mind wrap around. But I purposely ended a little early so that each one of us can find a place to pray. Whether it's around these altars or on a seat. Some of you need to start examining the boiler, if you will. Is there fire? Is there coal? Is there just at least an ember that's there? Do you need to just come in and say, Lord, fill me once again? Let the power of His Spirit ignite your presence so that you can walk forward and no longer drift. As they begin to sing, I invite you to come. And I invite you to pray. Don't. It doesn't matter what anybody else prays. It needs to be your prayer. Only you and God know how far you're drifting. Would you come, would you begin to talk to Him in Jesus' name?